I am pumped to be collaborating with Rotoballer for the 2021 baseball season. My Draft Champions podcast will be joining the Rotoballer radio podcast network. For a while now, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball fanatics their fix for in-depth MLB analysis, tools, and player news. The site and the team is bigger and better than ever, with articles, tools, and podcasts for everyone, including contributions from me. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Draft Champions listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code CHAMPIONS. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros, accuracy rankers, Nick Mariano and Ariel Cohen. Both Nick and Ariel's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer Premium Draft Kit. Along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, more than 300 player outlooks, and tons of great draft tools and in-season tools. All of this premium fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code CHAMPIONS. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash radio, get your premium pass today, and win big in 2021. Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I am here today with Graham and a special guest, Dan Schulman of ESPN. Dan, you can find at dschulman underscore ESPN. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Zach. How are you? Really appreciate you spending some time with me this afternoon, and we're going to talk about some Blue Jays. But um, yeah, before we do, I just um, we, I, we met at a charity event about a year ago. Uh, uh, Benet Breath Sports Night, and um, you you spoke there, and you told a really a real cool story about how you sort of got started in in broadcasting. I wonder if you could just quickly um, sort of recap that because I found it really interesting. Uh, it's a long story, but I'll recap it as quickly as I can. <laughs> so uh, I went to Western and um, worked at the campus radio station there, really just for fun, with no intent of ever pursuing a career or anything like that. Um, graduated with a degree in actuarial science, started working as an actuary for a few months, but decided it wasn't really for me and started looking around for radio jobs. Um, after a while, I got a weekend job in Barrie, which both of you guys know where it is. Worked at a station called CKBB, which is not around anymore. Um, and eventually um, somebody at the, at the fan, which wasn't even the fan yet, it was still CJCL 1430 in Toronto, heard me um, and I started working at CJCL. It became the fan. Um, and then, uh, Jim Houston, who was the blue Jay announcer, this is about three years later. Now he decided to focus on hockey, move back to Vancouver and the blue Jay job opened up and I auditioned for that and I got that. And then ESPN heard me doing baseball and then I started working for them. So I I'm really condensing the story, but it was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of being in the right place at the right time, some good luck, some hard work, some people looking out for me and helping me and, and, it all happened kind of fast. I graduated from Western in 89, started working in Barrie in 90, started working at the fan in 91 um, and was at the fan for about four years. And by 95, I was working at TSN and ESPN. So uh, all of it kind of happened pretty quickly. Well, yeah, that's that. That's what I found so interesting. But the key the key message, because I think a lot of people that are listening to this, like maybe maybe are aspiring to be that I'm not, but I think the hard work, hard work and good luck were just what I took away from it. So uh, I've just thought it was a great story. I'll yeah. So I, I've got, you know, one of the rotating like screensaver things I've got on my computer is luck is where preparation meets opportunity. I'm one of those annoying guys who quotes things like that. So, <laughs> nice. Um, it, you know, they, you don't get, you don't get much in this world without hard work. Like people, you know, might see, whatever watch a baseball game and go oh, that's a cool job i wonder you know i wonder if anybody could get that job and and um it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff obviously and again a lot of good people helping you out and 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 some good luck being in the right place 
uh, at the right time. But I, I never thought I'd be doing this. I just wanted to work at a radio station in Toronto when I when I got into this. So, but for anybody who's listening who um, is thinking about trying to get into the broadcasting business, be prepared to work, be prepared to sacrifice. You know, you work crazy hours, you travel. I've worked overnight shifts, early morning, late night. Um, you name it, I, I, I've done it. And that's, a, that's all part of the journey, right? That's part of the experience. Right on. And we did, like I said, we did meet at a charity event. Is there anything that you're working on or is any charity that is important to you if anyone's listening uh, that you want to shout out um, or any projects you've got on the um, I, I, I lend, you know, I lend my name and time here and there to things. I, there isn't one in particular that, uh, that I'm involved with more than any others. Uh, you know, you and I met at a B'nai B'rith event. I've done a number of those um, around Ontario, even flew out to Calgary a few years ago and did one uh, out in Calgary about six or seven years ago. So, um, you know, always, always happy to do, to do that kind of thing. But, um, like I, I'm not focused on one particular one, but when, when, whenever I'm available and in town, I, I try to help out as, as best I can. Excellent. Excellent. So let's get into the Jays because we're all, we're all Jays fans here. I think, um, the biggest, the biggest item that that's been sort of um, circulating around, I guess, fantasy baseball, which is something that we focus on is the closer situation there, which, uh, Julian Merriweather looks fantastic. And, um, Jordan Romano also looks great, but, um, um, you've seen Romano being used um, before uh, Merriweather in that sort of role uh, facing the top of the order, but we don't, we're not really sure what um, Montoyo is really thinking, uh, what's, what where his head's at in, term, uh, in terms of um, what roles, uh, how the roles are going to fall. Do you have any insight about that? I think either one of them could get saves, to be honest with you. You know, the one of the game, one of the first games Merriweather came into was an extra innings game, right? I mean, he wouldn't have been in the game if it had ended in nine, but I think Romano gave up a run and it went to the 10th and then Merriweather came into the game. So I think there are some days where one could pitch as early as the seventh and the other could pitch in the ninth or vice versa. Um, it depends on who's rested. It depends on who they're playing, what part of the lineup is coming up. Um, and, and I think both of them will, you know, since it was a fantasy question, I think both of them will get saves. I think there's a chance Rafael Dolis figures it out and he gets back in the mix a little bit. I know they like David Phelps. I, I'm not sure the Blue Jays are going to have just one closer this year, but I, I do think Romano and Merriweather will get most of them. You know, the big key with both guys, but especially with Merriweather, is keeping him healthy. He's had so many injuries in his career, they got to keep him healthy. So I, I don't think they want to overuse him but I, I definitely think he'll get his fair, fair share of save opportunities. I was listening to Pete Walker in a podcast and they asked him, um, will they use, will they hesitate using Mary weather on back-to-back games? And he said, no, they wouldn't hesitate at this point. They basically yeah. have, they have, they, they, they keep pretty good tabs on him. But another thing that I think that I heard was that um, they don't want to bring Mary weather into a game where like he's in the middle of an inning. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, well, that would sort of bode well to bring to use him in the ninth inning because that's like sort of a defined closer role. So that was sort of a point in favor of Merriweather pitching the ninth more than Murano. But yeah, it, it, it's I'm possible. Scratching. You know, really, if you look at most teams now, there there isn't as much bringing guys in in the middle of an inning anymore. Part of it is the three batter rule, I think. But you know, you could have a game where a starter goes five, and then it's Phelps in the sixth, Dolis in the seventh, Romano in the eighth, Merriweather in the ninth. It's it's more with the lefties, I think, where you're bringing the guys in in the middle, but teams are being careful about it because of the three batter rule. So um, I understand they want to do that with Merriweather. I think they want to give him time to warm up, make sure he's feeling good and feeling comfortable before they they bring him into the game. But, but again, I, I think each game is different. If they're playing the Yankees, and uh, it's the eighth inning and LeMahieu and Judge are coming up, I think you're going to see Romano 
more against them. Um, but but then again, you know, the way that Meriwether blew, has blown people away, I, I think they're comfortable using him um, against anybody. But I, I think it depends, or you know, the other team, is it the heart of the order? Is it righties or lefties? That sort of thing. I, I, I think it will fluctuate a little bit. And listen, if things go well and this team wins more than it loses, you know, Romano might close one day, then be off the next day. Mary Mother might close the next day, then Romano comes back the day after that. Because yes, I do think they'll use guys two days in a row, but they're not going to use them three days in a row. They're not going to use them three out of four if they can help it. They're going to be really careful with guys given how short last season was and how many innings they need out of them this year. So I, I think there'll be opportunities for both guys. That makes sense. I think the Donaldson trade's looking pretty good right now, along along with the Corey yeah. Kluber, along with the Corey Kluber trade in Cleveland with uh, how well Emmanuel Clase looks. So I think both of those trades, it's, it's funny how quickly things change. <laughs> um, so just, just a follow-up there. Do you see uh, parallels? Like, do you think Montoyo's brought a lot of the bullpen management over from Tampa, or is this more of a thing passed down from the Atkins Cleveland way? I think it's kind of generally just the way the game is going right now. I think more and more teams are not naming everyday closers. It happens, but you know, 10 years ago, 30 teams, there were 30 closers. Now it, it's not necessarily like that. I think pitchers understand they can still get paid and do well and make all-star teams without necessarily getting saved. So part of it is Tampa, but I think Tampa's kind of been, uh, you know, on the leading edge of things for baseball. And, and, and a lot of teams uh, are doing this to a certain extent right now. And I, and I know last year there were some eyebrows raised about why is Anthony Bass in now and not Dolis? Why is Dolis in now and not Bass? Like the Blue Jays did this last year. Uh, honestly, they did. Bass would face the right-hand heavy lineups. Dolis with his splitter would face the left-hand heavy lineups. Romano would come in against the top of the order. They, they started this last year. So I think it's a, a little bit of a mix, part Tampa Bay and, and part the way that the sport as a whole is trending. Excellent. So um, do you have any news on Guriel uh, or T. Oscar before lineups lock for, any, for everyone this week? <laughs> uh, well, as we speak, it is uh, three o'clock Monday, I believe. Well, I know they activated Guriel off the so he had us, uh, you know, some side effects from the, the vaccine, but he's been put back on the roster. So I would expect that he's in the roster uh, in the lineup tonight. And Teoscar's got to be out for seven days. Those are the rules when you come into contact with somebody who tested positive. I don't know what day we're on now, four or five, something. Nine. So Lost I count. would assume Teoscar's <laughs> back later in the week. Okay, so that's that's good that uh, Guriel's feeling better and he should be back maybe as early as tonight. Um, I heard that Springer has healed from his oblique, but his quad is still an issue. So that was uh, another, it's funny how these people, uh, players with injuries develop injuries in a whole different yeah. part of the body. Like you've seen that with Soroka. You saw it with... Um, um, Rosenthal, uh, um, just, um, I don't know, maybe they're compensating. So yeah. Springer, I don't know when he's going to be back. Yeah. I don't know when he's going to be back either. So <laughs> this is, this is really unfortunate. I mean, he's a star and he's supposed to anchor center field and lead off and, and it, it's a big loss. They're fortunate. They have as many outfielders as they have. Although now with Teoscar out for a week, they're, you know, they're thin out there, but they got that great game out of Josh Palacios, which is really nice. And I'm sure he'll get another opportunity or two to, uh, to show what he can do, but they need Springer back. You know, they've got enough other guys uh, in the lineup that aren't hitting right now. They need Springer healthy and, and leading off for them. Right. I think at the beginning of the season, we were, we were all wondering, okay, Gritchick and Telez are going to, how are they going to share their time? And that's not even an issue anymore because Gritchick is essentially the only one that can man center field. I, I think, um, I think he's by far the best option. Um, and now Telez is kind of started off slowly. He's hitting the ball hard, but again, um, not often. 
Um, I think when once once everyone's healthy, um, I I I always said that I think Grichuk's going to play more than just platoon against left-handed hitters. Sorry, mm-hmm. left-handed pitchers. What? How do you see that? How do you see that? Like looking. I never worry the- about it too much because stuff always happens in baseball, and once everyone's healthy, somebody else might get hurt. So I I, I don't actually worry about this very much. You don't play uh, fantasy baseball. And, yeah, yeah, it, it just it <laughs> happens all the time. So if you're hitting, you're going to play. Uh, if Randall Gritcha continues to hit, then one of the outfielders will DH, which will either mean that Rowdy Telez is not in the lineup or that every now and again, Vladdy might go to third base and then Biggio sits or Biggio gives Simeon a night off or Simeon gives Bichette a night off. Like they've got this versatility. So between injuries, rest and matchups, I don't think there are going to be very many nights where people are screaming, why isn't that guy in the lineup? It, it, it just kind of works itself out. So um, if listen, that's a good problem to have. If people are screaming that, that means everybody's healthy and everybody's hitting. Um, but ultimately, if Gritchick continues to hit and Telez does not, then Gritchick's going to play more than Telez. But you know what? They, we, we know the Blue Jays too. They like resting people. They really prioritize rest. They believe... It keeps people healthy, although they've had their fair share of injuries in recent years. But, you know, every, one day out of every two weeks, Guriel will be out of the lineup. Biggio will be out every now and again. You know, and again, because of the flexibility that they have, especially if they're willing to put Vladdy at third every now and again, that's part of it. And I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't, but if they really want their ultimate flexibility, then they got to get Vladdy over to third every now and again. I don't know if they're going to do that, but that, you know, that opens things up for other people. Well, Vladdy looks great this year so so far in the short in the in a short sample size. He's hitting the ball fantastic. What do you think? Yeah. What, what, do, you, do you see anything different than he's doing this year? Than oh, I see years? a lot different. Well, firstly, he's forty pounds lighter, uh, as we've all discussed. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think I think he's got a much better ba- game plan. He had a walk in the fifteen to one game on Saturday against the Angels, and I, and I just tweeted out something like that was a very mature base on balls by Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, he he took a strike, then he took a pitch for strike two that I don't think was a strike. But he didn't panic. He took a ball, he fouled off a pitch, took a ball, fouled off two pitches. And you could see if they were really tough pitchers' pitches, like sliders down and away, he wasn't rolling over and hitting a ground ball to third. He wasn't overswinging. He wasn't getting frustrated. He flicked it foul, he fought it off, and he waited for the next pitch. That is a a very mature approach. He waited for the pitcher to make a mistake. Um, ultimately the pitcher didn't make a mistake, but Vladdy took a very close three, two pitch, a slider down for ball four. The next at bat was really similar, except he got a base hit out of it. He did all, a lot of the same things. He feels like he is in control of the at bat. Like it's the pitcher who is in trouble, the pitcher who's on the defensive. Um, if he makes them throw strikes, if he uses the whole field and, you know, takes balls to the opposite field that are down and away from him, he's going to be a monster. He's going to, he's too good to not do well. And, and the only thing I would say is I wouldn't get all caught up in home runs. Um, he could hit 25 home runs and have a monster year. He still is more of a line drive hitter than a fly ball hitter. And it's important for him to get the ball off the ground. We've all talked about that, but when Vladdy has his best year, I think we'll see it more in terms of doubles batting average on base percentage strikeout percentage. I think we'll see it more in those areas necessarily than just home runs. Right on. That's that's really interesting. That's um, that's really uh, some interesting insight from someone that's been watching all the games really closely. And there's um, the Jays look like they they look good so far, and um, they're running. So like you look at Semyon, he's got um, he's he started off really well, 
And um, people questioned, um, well, started off well in terms of two stolen bases, three home runs. And people before the season questioned um, Bo Bichette, how much he's going to run um, in the major leagues and how successful he will be because the success rate was a question for him. So I guess my question is two, two part. Do you see the Jays running? And um, I guess how, like Simeon, and how, how good do you think Simeon looks? Because I know he only is hitting 205, but he has a 200 at Babbitt and he's in the league lead for outs produced with um, hard hit outs. So I think he's top 10 and just, I guess he's been getting a little bit unlucky so far, just mm-hmm. hitting the ball hard into outs. Yeah, I, I think Simeon's going to be a good player. He, he's he's a better player than his numbers suggests he were he was last year. He had an injury at the outset of last season, you know, and because last year was so short, you have a bad three weeks. It, it's tough to, for your numbers to recover in a sixty game season. He's a good player. I don't know if he's the you know the number three in the MVP voting two thousand and nineteen guy, but he's a good player. And if you told me that he would hit. 25 home runs, drive in 80. You know, I I, I would believe it. I I think he's on bases. Uh, yeah, he'll steal some bases. He's not a burner. They don't have anybody on the team. I don't think who's going to steal 25 or 30 bases. So, um, you know, I, I think you're obviously a lot of the questions here are coming at it from a fantasy point of view. I think that's the angle that you're taking here. So yes. I think about it more from a baseball point of view. But, um, you know, that Charlie Montoyo has said publicly he he does want to be more aggressive. And again, they, they don't have anybody who's going to come close to leading the league in stolen bases. But Simeon should be able to have 15 or 20. Bichette should be able to have 15 or 20. Biggio should be able to have 15 or 20. Um, you know, it, like I'll tell you who the probably the fastest guy on the team is. And, uh, and uh, I'm not putting Jonathan Davis in. I, I mean, among the regulars, Teoscar Hernandez is the fastest guy on the team. Um, he should be able to steal a few bases here and there. Uh, Grichik might be able to steal a few bases. They've got some decent speed um, up and down the lineup. So, uh, you know, Springer might maybe a 10 stolen base guy. I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there, but right. to me, it's not just stolen bases. It's just being a better base running team too. They were a bad base running team last year. They, they've got more team speed this year and they've got to be smarter this year. Um, you know, first to third, second to home, um, being a little bit more aggressive, but without making mistakes. And, and that, that helps make them a better offensive team. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny. It's funny you mentioned T. Oscar because I sort of see T. Oscar as just one of those fantastic athletes, like in the same vein as like your Randy or Rosarina types and um, Lewis Robert, like in that in that range. Like the 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 strikeouts are going to be there for for, mm-hmm. for those players, but in particular Robert and, and T. Oscar. But yeah, you're right. Like he's he's just a tremendous athlete, um, T. Oscar Hernandez, and yeah. get him from yeah, the he's, he's just got to get back to where he was in the batter's box last year when he was so good. And, and I don't know if he's feeling pressure to duplicate what he did last year over a full season, but, uh, listen, they put him in the cleanup spot at the beginning of the year. He's important. They, um, and hopefully he'll figure it out. I, I, I don't, I, you know, a lot of them are still kind of young, right. Or, or, um, relatively, young in terms of experience. And, and I, I don't think they're quite finished products. And I would say that even about Teoscar Hernandez. So um, I, I hope he is able to, to duplicate what he did last year, because if he did, then he's a special player. Right. Now, uh, just to talk about their pitching a little bit, this wasn't, I this wasn't on the agenda, but I'm sure you don't mind talking about their starting rotation. Robbie Ray's uh, back tonight. He's got two starts um, this, this calendar week. And um, we saw his velocity up quite a bit um, in spring training. So he's one of those pitchers that was really um, uh, a little bit under the radar, but um, not so much under the radar anymore. Um, what are you expecting from their rotation in terms of Ray and then Ro- Roark? They said they're going to shift to the bullpen now. 
Um, and yeah, so Robbie Ray's got to throw strikes. If Robbie Ray throws strikes, I think he'll be successful. Um, and it, if he is, if he throws strikes, you know, he's not, I don't think he's a number one, although, you know, sometimes his stuff looks like a number one, but uh, I, I think the job for Robbie Ray and Steven Matz is give, give them a chance to win games. Matz obviously has been great so far and they're really excited about Ray. You know, Robbie Ray was the first free agent in baseball to sign in the off season. He obviously wanted to come back to Toronto. He loves Pete Walker. Pete Walker believes in him. Um, and I think that's all encouraging stuff. If the ball's in the strike zone, uh, I think he's got a chance. Not the best, um, you know, starting against the Yankees, your first start back is not the easiest assignment, but it is what it is. Um, and, and the Blue Jays are really counting on him. Tanner Roark, you know, got knocked around like crazy last year and got knocked around like crazy in his first start this year. Um, and they, they can't afford to give away games. I don't know if he gets another chance. You know, it, it's almost unprecedented to have a veteran starter get put to the bullpen after just one start. Um, so I don't know if it's temporary or not. They've still got Ross Stripling and TJ Zoik in the rotation right now as well. Maybe one of those guys, you know, maybe Stripling eventually goes to the pen. Maybe Zoik eventually goes to the alt site. It depends on how well they pitch, but right now Roark's a mop-up man. And, um, you know, having a $12 million starter who's a mop-up man, that, that doesn't happen very often. So we'll see how it goes. You know, you'd like to think they're getting Nate Pearson and Thomas Hatchback at some point as well, but neither of them is close right now. But um, listen, they think they're a contender and they got to give themselves the best chance to win. And right now um, they, they think Stripling and Zoic give them a better chance to win. And, and it's hard to disagree with that. Well, it could be worse. They could have a $32 million middle reliever like the Dodgers do. I actually heard... I. I actually saw an article that the, um, I don't know how much truth there is to it, but they, they, they said that Jay should call uh, LA and ask about price. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a different story that, you know, price is there because the Dodgers have an embarrassment of riches. I mean, they've got a hall of famer in Clayton Kershaw, a Cy Young award winner in Trevor Bauer, a stud in Walker Bueller, uh, a budding star in Julio Urias, another budding star, I think in Dustin May, you know, so price is in the pen because they're loaded. Roark is in the pen <laughs> yeah. because he got crushed in his first start and he got crushed last year. So it's a little apples and oranges, but yeah. um, you know, even if his job is just do what Tommy Malone did, right. Throw three innings and in games that are out of hand and save the rest of the bullpen. You can provide a little bit of value there. Right now. Um, as, as the year uh, progresses um, you also have Nate Pearson that, that he should get a chance as soon as he's healthy to, I'd assume to be part of the rotation, but I think you got some two, two really upside arm, two really high upside arms that you could see. I don't even know when, maybe July, but probably later, if ever, in Simeon Woods, Richardson, and Alec Manoa. So those two, those two pitchers could, like, if the Jays are a playoff team, can you see those guys making starts in the playoffs? Or am I oh, just well? Reaching? That's a big jump you just took there. <laughs> uh, the, the normal question is, do you see those guys possibly pitching for the Blue Jays this season? So. Um, I think it's, it depends on a lot of things. Like let's get the minor leagues started and let's see how they do in games. They haven't pitched in games since 2019, right? So um, the highest level for Woods Richardson was a ball and the highest level for Manoa was out in Vancouver, which was short season eight. So that's a long way from the majors, but Manoa is a college guy. So he's older. He's 23. Woods Richardson is only 20. I think there's a chance 
that Manoa pitches for the Blue Jays this year, if he does well in the minors and if the Blue Jays have a need in the majors and they're in the race. Um, I think it's a little bit less likely that Woods Richardson comes up, but it's not, it, it wouldn't be unheard of. Do they start in the playoffs? That's, that's so many steps down the road. I, yeah, you're, you're uh, right. It, it, yeah, couldn't even yeah. answer that. I'm just thinking that when I saw um, Manoa pitch in spring training, like you saw a couple, a couple, a couple pitchers just look like lights out and like, oh, like yeah. okay, this is different. Like, like on the Marlins, for instance, you got Trevor Rogers and Alcantara. They just look, they just looked like they just put it all together. They want, they took another step forward. You could, you could sort of see it in the spring, tra- in spring training, like even with Matt's a little bit and, and like Logan Webb on the, on the giants, he said, okay, something's different here, Robbie Ray. Now Manoa might've been like just as much of a standard as all those players, it, but it, the only difference was that just everyone knew that he wasn't going to start in the major leagues. So he yeah, just, that, I'm just saying he just looked fantastic. Oh, he looks great. They both look great. I'm a big fan of each of them. I think they're both going to be in the blue Jay rotation for years. Um, I, I just don't know what the timeline is. Um, and you know, do guys start in the playoffs? That depends on a dozen things between, between now and then they might bring Manoa up and have him be, uh, you know, a piggyback guy where he goes two or three innings in relief of somebody else, you know, maybe he and Anthony Kay are a tandem that work together in the second half of the season. We have no way that there's, because these guys haven't pitched in games since 2019, I think we got to let, uh, you know, what happened with Kirk last year was really unusual, Alejandro Kirk. So, but this year with the minors, presumably starting May 4th in about three weeks, three and a half weeks, um, you know, let's see what level the Blue Jays send these guys out to and let's see what the results are like. Right. Now, Graham, did you have a question about Thornton? Oh, yeah. I was just curious how you could see Trent Thornton, if he could ever factor into the rotation there. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I, I think at the beginning they were considering it, but then a couple of things happened. One is that because he had uh, elbow surgery, he was a little bit late getting going in camp. He wasn't as stretched out as Zoic and Kay were. Um, and the other is with the, you know, some of the injuries that they've had, they, they, they needed him on the major league staff, but they decided to make him like a two inning reliever. And I, I'm not, I'm not sure if he winds up back in the rotation. I mean, if a bunch of other guys, you know, pitch poorly or get hurt, then I think they will. But right now I think next man up is Anthony K. K is stretched out. He is throwing like he's a starter every five days at the alternate site. Um, so I, I think, for this year, unless something changes, it's more likely that Trent Thornton is, say, a you know three to six out kind of reliever, uh, not necessarily pitching in the eighth inning, but if you get a so-so start out of a guy for four or five, you know maybe you bring in Thornton for a couple of innings before you get to the late inning guys. Great. I just saw a lot of promise in him last year. It's a shame what happened with his elbow. Yeah, he's got potential. Uh, He does. Um, You know, he had at at the end of 2019, I think it was in September, he made like three really good starts in a row. You know, he he had a decent rookie season. Um, But, you know, not to say it depends again, but it, it, it depends on a lot of things. Do they have five guys who are giving them decent starts? Uh, where do they have the biggest need? You know, they might, they might decide that two innings out of the bullpen is, is really important, or, or he might be in a piggyback situation with another starting pitcher. It, it's, it's really hard to say, you know, Robbie Ray could come back and be pretty good, but he throws a ton of pitches and he can only be like a four inning guy. And then you bring in Thornton after him, you switch from a lefty to a righty, give him a different look. That, that's a possibility as well. Right on. Right. Um, yeah, do you see like the new spring training complex and everything that they've built? 
down there. I don't know if you've been there, but I have watch, not, no, no I've, I've seen the videos. They look pretty cool. Yeah. Do you, do you think that this kind of signifies the Jays falling in line with kind of like the, uh, the developmental machine type of thing where you're trying to optimize the players that you have versus bringing in players from the outside? Is well, that I think what you're trying to do is keep people healthy. So the old complex was one of the most antiquated in baseball. They needed something new. Now they have one of the best, it sounds like. So again, I, I haven't been there. But the idea is, you know, whatever kind of therapy you need, it's there. Whatever kind of training you need, it's there. Weights, it's there. Uh, the running hill, what are, what are the, the covered indoor field? Everything is at your disposal. And the idea is, is uh, for your major league players, Maybe they live in the, in the area and they train there year round. So you've got them under your roof with your people instead of being in Arizona or Texas or the Dominican or, or wherever it happens to be. So th this is something that teams are doing. They are building these complexes um, in an effort to keep people healthy. And I think it also doesn't hurt uh, in a couple of other ways. Your minor league players, you can you know keep them, um, you know keep sights on them a little bit more often again. Uh, you come into the minor leagues and you, you're part of the same program building up to the major league. So when you get to the majors, there isn't that big of a transition. You're dealing with the same people, you're eating the same food, you're going through the same routines. And also for free agents, it, it can be a bit of a, a selling point too. It can, it can attract free agents to a certain extent to know that, that they've got that kind of a facility at their disposal. Interesting. I've heard that the Mariners do that, like the way they game plan their pitching from the minor leagues all the way up to the major leagues like it's the exact same scouting reports and everything that you it should receive. be it, it absolutely should be I, I i mean it's it's the same thing it should be the same thing in all sports like the you know the marley should have the same stuff that the leafs do right it's, it should all be a connection it, it's uh, you guys are too young but back in the day there was something called the oriole way about the baltimore orioles and and the the idea was right from the day they got drafted these were the things that were important to the Baltimore Orioles. This was the culture they built. This was how they, um, you know, they, they taught their players how to play. So when you got to the majors, the message you were getting was the same message you got in the minors. Like to me, it's a, it's a no brainer. It's absolutely the, the way that it should be. Um, it shouldn't be like New Hampshire's on its program and Vancouver's on its program and uh, Lansing, or they don't have Lansing anymore. Dunedin's on its program. It shouldn't be that way. Buffalo, they should all be, on exactly the same program, the messaging should be the same so that when they get to the big leagues, they know what's expected of them. Nice. Right on. So last question. Don't want to take up any more of your time. Unless, Zach, you got something here. Nope. But uh, this is the just box. me being a Toronto sports fan. And it's that Toronto, we have this uh, second best insecurity. And we always think that, you know, we might not be good enough. And I think, I don't know, the Kawhi thing, you left, you went home, can't fault him. But... The last two years, the Jays have signed George Springer and Hyunjin Ryu. Is this a movement away from this, or are we still so insecure that we think it's just we're the last dance partner available? Uh, a little bit of both. So, listen, they, they spent legit money, right? Four years, $80 million for Ryu, six years, $150 million for Springer. The, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins said when they felt it was time to spend and, the, and that it could help them compete, they would spend, and they're doing it. But I think Toronto will always have a little bit of a, a second best um, insecurity. And, and truthfully, like the Blue Jays made the best offer to these guys. They put an extra year on the deal or added some money or whatever it is. And, that, and that's why they got them. And people should understand, listen, it's a beautiful country and a beautiful city. And there are a lot of great things here. But if you are not from Canada, 
if you have a choice to play in Toronto or New York or Toronto or Texas or Toronto or LA, whatever it is, you might have very valid reasons for wanting to play closer to home or in your own country or whatever the case may be. So um, I think we'll always have a little bit of an insecurity. And, and I will tell you, if sports are still a thing, you know, 50 years from now, there will be guys playing for the Blue Jays and Raptors who will become free agents who will leave and it's going to hurt. And we're all going to, uh, well, I won't be around, but we're all going to, you know, we're all going to be upset about it, but it, it's, it's just part of sports. It, it, it really is. It, it, listen, it's not like the, the Brewers and the Indians and the Marlins and the Pirates don't lose players either. And I understand Toronto is a, a much bigger city than, than those teams are in. But various teams lose various players for various reasons. And Toronto will probably always have a little bit more trouble retaining players and a little bit more trouble signing players because they play in another country. It, it just is what it is. But I'll tell you this, um, if they're really good, they'll spend. And if they're really good, some players who might not otherwise want to come will come because guys, you know, winning is, is one of the things that people like to do. And, uh, you know, they throw the right money at them and they're, and they got a chance to win. They'll, they'll get the players they need. Right on. Thanks very much, Dan. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, to talk about the Jays today. And it's uh, making me even, even more excited to watch the Jays this year and, and listen to you, um, listen to you every day. So uh, it's going to be a fun season. I hope. Um, hey, before, before you go, any predictions for the American league, what are the, like the five, if you had to pick five teams to come out of the American league? Uh, that, that's a tough one for me to do. I, the Jays are in the mix. I think, I, I mean, coming into the season, I thought the Yankees were the best team in the division Jays and Rays neck and neck for second White Sox and Twins are both good. Um, Houston is good. And I don't know if the A's are going to figure it out, but the Angels look pretty good. Like, I think there are seven or eight teams and only five of them can make the playoffs. The Jays are in the mix, but they got to be reasonably healthy and they got to pitch well. I, I don't I don't think they're good enough to make the playoffs if things don't go well. If things do go well and they're in the race, they'll go out and get somebody in July, another arm probably, and then I think they got a great shot. But I, I think they've got to play well and stay healthy to make the playoffs. Right on. Well, thanks. Thanks again, Dan. And um, I will uh, talk to you later. And again, yeah, I appreciate your time. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks.